0: Jason Bailey Lash, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting Conversations on Contemporary Art and Culture in Los Angeles and Beyond. Today's guest is Warren Boswell. I had the pleasure of having him in the studio here a few months ago. He is a business owner and entrepreneur, my tailor, but more importantly, my friend. We cover a wide range of topics within the conversation, one of those things being who he dresses, people like Oliver Stone, uh, Kobe Bryant. He did Colin Kaepernick for the front cover of GQ recently, but the things that really stand out to me in this interview are about what he says about family and community, this idea of everyone lifting everyone else up and having other people support you because you can't do it on your own. He is always sharply dressed and put together in a way that you won't see many others, but his richness of personality and kindness are what really stand out after you get to meet him. Without further ado, here's War War Air. Yes. Thank you for coming to the studio, man.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, this is great.
1: Yeah, man, this is awesome.
0: We were introduced through Romanelli. Darren Romanelli, who is a, a collector and a friend. How did you meet Darren?
1: I've known him for many years, but we reconnected at Yohood in China. What is Yohood? It's like agenda trade show. so like you have some of the best brands in the world. They all convene on them. So spotlight. you
0: were two dudes from LA.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was a big United States constituency there, surprisingly, but it was good so you know I reconnected with him there and he's always been a proponent. And a supporter of, of my brand, and I love what he does. Well, this is it.
0: he is a big supporter of like many people. yes, he is so when yeah. when we were introduced, this is sort of funny for me at least <laughs> we were introduced i I was I was I for my day job, I was somewhere and I had my suit and I ripped the jacket pocket like straight down into the suit and I was like I went to Darren and I was like, everything that I was trying on off the rack was incredibly everything that fit was incredibly expensive mm-hmm. and I went to Darren and I was at his house was like who should I talk to who should and he your name came up right away he goes you know what beautiful but what was funny about it was he goes let me make a call he like it was like a Sunday morning or something he like went to the other room made a call and he came back he goes Boswell's going to call you yeah and then you called
1: I literally called like (laughs) yeah like and and like you're like uh well uh, I guess I'll take the call now I'm I'm like where are you uh in Darren's uh (laughs) in Darren's kitchen that's where (laughs) yeah you were in Darren's kitchen that was that was funny
0: before we start, we talk about our personal relationship and yeah. me getting fitted for a suit with Absolutely. you. Why don't you explain a bit about what you do, what the company is?
1: The name of the company is Warrior Boswell and I do ready to wear and also custom. So with the custom arm of my business, I've been doing it since 2002. It literally just happened because I could go nowhere. And find a suit off the rack. Because you're six foot seven, seven, Yeah. So it was a problem for me to find clothing. So I worked at agencies. I worked for production companies. I PA'd. I did all of these different things and just finally realized this isn't what I want to do. And I'd always had a problem finding clothes. My sister was like, you know, you need to find something that you love to do that you can get paid at. I knew no one in the fashion industry and literally once I had that conversation with her it was called for from the universe and was just like can you please just kind of put people in my path that'll help me make this thing go and I had no money no big house behind me it was just me persevering taking my my severance package from the last production company that I worked at
0: so I want to get into you you have a you sort of have a rich history of like where you were before this mm-hmm. and it was a different industry and I've heard you Completely. talk about it yeah, yeah. But also, I wanted to talk a bit about, this is a good segue into a bunch of different things, Mm -hmm. the ready to wear, but also your family. Yeah. So your sister, what did she do?
1: So my sister is a a clinical psychologist. And my father (laughs) was, he passed, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. He was an entrepreneur. And my mother was an entrepreneur as well, but she also worked. So, you know, my father would always tell me, you know, either you're going to work to build your own or someone else's. So you might as well. Build your own. So now, your she,
0: sister was analyzing you and telling you exactly. Oh, absolutely.
1: Where <laughs> I, 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 you know what? Like I always tell people who are like, you know, your 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 family has such a hold on you as it applies to your profession. And I tell them, you know, before Kobe was buying the suit or before Oliver Stone was buying anything from me, like, or or anyone else of my talent base, my family was there to encourage me. And it takes your family. Unless you have a very strong friendship base of people who will, like, say, when you get doors slammed in your face for the 30th time in an hour, you can do it. So you,
0: were you from here?
1: I'm from Altadena.
0: Okay. So, yeah. and you went to school here? I
1: went to, I went to John Muir High School, then I went to Cal State Northridge. That's where I graduated. Mm-hmm. And wh- how long ago was that? That was in 1997. I actually wanted to be a teacher. Of but what? I mean, History, what type of history, I just was, history in general? Well, American, American history? history and also African American history. Oh, the diaspora. I actually wanted to teach that, and the reason why is because you, you're gonna hear a lot of my mom told me, or my father. That's you, what you're, I You're gonna hear a lot all of time. about. no, that. no, okay. no. I did the same thing. My mother would always tell me, like, you can love yourself, but if you don't know about yourself, it's gonna be very difficult for you to love anyone else, right? She would just give me like these little these it's little like tippings. on point, but they were on point. So, yeah. like, when you know about yourself, you understand. Not to get too deep, I understand American history and how it was a concerted effort to make sure that so much African history was lost, destroyed. Like Not it's a reason. Down. Exactly. It's a reason for that because when you don't know, you're an unknown. But when you know, you can draw upon something.
0: Well, particularly now too, right? Like yeah. present day. Absolutely. What we're dealing with at the moment. It's <laughs> yeah. just it is a repeat of so many things that we've gone through before.
1: Let me touch on that. Yeah. That is that that base has always been there. It was just waiting for somebody to stroke the fire.
0: To let them have Tell me Yeah, a to, I mean, to, to, to give to get a back platform.
1: And, and and the thing is, whenever I hear people complaining about him or anything, I'm just like, you know what? He showed you who he was from the get-go. You
0: knew. You knew right you away. You knew.
1: So, like, I mean, like, whatever he says, I'm, not, I'm never sitting in, like, a meeting with a bunch of friends saying, well, did you hear what he said now?
0: And everybody already knew what it was to begin with. Exactly. We're going to come back to family as well, too, but I think mm-hmm. this is maybe a good point to... Point out that you you dressed Colin Kaepernick. Yes, for GQ. GQ Cupper, yes, that was awesome.
1: That was fantastic. I have no PR rep. You don't. No, this is the all of these things that happen to me. They all happen organically. All of these things they just come. When people say they don't believe in a higher power, I have to just agree to disagree all of the things that have come to me, like you would think like my agency would have bought brought them to me or somebody would have bought them, but they all come organically.
0: So is this something, so in your industry, do mm-hmm. you consider yourself, are you a tailor or are you a designer or are you, what are you?
1: I would say I'm all of that people in general, they want to, they want to categorize put it. a label on exactly. So to, to, to put a label on it, the majority of my clientele are regular size guys, but the people who get the press, are the the athletes are the big dudes Uh, yeah the athletes so me being six seven it just furthers that narrative for other people who don't want to do the research
0: well that's what i was thinking about too also there's only so many six seven individuals in the world there's a lot there's a lot more short people
1: agree (laughs) agree agree i i i I agree with you wholeheartedly yes yeah But but the thing is you get pigeonholes you know the clientele that i have from the athletic side is fantastic but it's just also important to understand, you just touched on it. There are, there are only so many of them, and it's way more of you. Yeah. So it's always my mission to let people know that, true, I do make stuff for well, like these incredible individuals. A mo-
0: majority of your interviews are talking about that specific clientele, which I would assume has to be difficult because then you're, you're categorized as this one thing all exactly. the time.
1: Exactly. So that's why it's good to do this to dispel the myth.
0: To talk to somebody who is only six foot.
1: I'm th- yeah exactly, exactly. I'm throwing the power bomb down. I'm poofing and I'm gone. I've turned into a new person. I, I guess I want to go back to the
0: Kaepernick thing mm-hmm. a little bit. And you say that you don't. These things come organic. And we talked a bit before this, just briefly, about what we were going to talk about. And one of the things was how do you get the business? And uh, you said 100 percent is like referrals. Yeah, it's, 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 referral. right? it's all referral. Right, all referral. So it's referrals now, but like the Kaepernick thing, did you get a phone call? How did that actually take place? And I want to know about the fitting process and Mm -hmm. how that conversation goes.
1: Mm -hmm. So there's a young lady who has been a a very good supporter of my artistry for years. Her name is Rachel Johnson. Rachel, not kind of, she single-handedly was the woman who, for this generation of basketball players, started making them coveted. For the press. So she dressed Chris Paul, LeBron James. You mean when
0: they're walking, they're doing the yeah, walk-ins. Yeah, like, I
1: mean, like, ever get a chance, you should look at some pictures of Michael Jordan yeah. and see how just crazy he looked back in the day. Like, he just, like, his dress code was ridiculous. Yeah. It w- in, in a bad way. You had Rachel to come along, and she just started to make these guys look good.
0: Now, we're talking, this is, I remember when this conversation started happening, but this is a while ago now. So mm-hmm. this is, what, eight, this ten is eight, years? like ten years the the conversation sort of revolved around something that i saw you bring up in your other interview and it's something that you talk to your athletes or anybody I, it doesn't have to be this is that categorization too mm-hmm. you represent what you put out there for the world absolutely
1: you,
0: you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing it for the community so mm-hmm. what i wanted to talk to you about was the community that they're representing too can mm-hmm. you speak a bit about that
1: well i had the the the, the chance to go to the ibm uh, vacation campus in new jersey And the NBA holds its rookie transition camp there. And this was the year Blake Griffin was drafted and I dressed him for the draft. I was talking to the, I mean, like it was James Harden, like they were all in, they were all rookies. And this was before the first check came. So like, you know, James Harden was in there with a pair of Dockers on. Like, it was just like, these guys had not-
0: They have no money.
1: they, they, They hadn't crossed over yet. It was imminent, right? So I'm talking to them and I'm letting them know there's gonna come a time when you eclipse in terms of your career. And you're going to want to go into another place. Yeah, You're making this much money for this much life. So you have to make sure that, you know, after when your playing days are over, that you've amassed the, the skills that if you want to go in to do something else, you have the skills to do it. Or if you just want to live off your money, you have to make sure that you're investing it properly. Yeah. When I first started talking to these guys, they were just kind of all like. When I'm talking to them, they're kind of sitting like the high school jock will be sitting in history class, like all slouched back, like, what the fuck are you going to tell me? Right. But by the time I got through delivering my message, they were like, they were, it was definitely so, quiet in there.
0: So what was it that, what was the point of that message that, that's rung true but, to them?
1: What they started to understand was, it's cool you may get this money, but there is a laundry list of individuals who are in your place, who had money, and are broke now. Where because, are they now? Because they either spent frivolously, believed in the wrong people, or just didn't develop the skills because they like just tick so many people off that people were just like you know once your days are done you're done period and that's horrible because when you look at a guy like Chris Webber transition had a great career now he's one of the face of the NBA in terms of broadcasters. Like that's an amazing transition.
0: You talk about the percentage of individuals who are in the NBA and it's a small group of these individuals who come from college and they're already Mm -hmm. pared down. But the number of people who then go out of the NBA to go on to successful careers is even smaller. Very small. It just keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So if you can't separate yourself from everybody else.
1: That was was the purpose of my conversation. I think that like it rang true to a lot of them. And you know, fortunate, you know, you'll have somebody who listens, but unfortunate you'll probably have a couple of people who didn't listen. Well, that's
0: just life. It's going to work that way regardless anyway. Exactly. When you're doing Kaepernick, Kaepernick comes to you. And how does that fitting go? Or walk us through any fitting. It doesn't have to be Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. But like when somebody comes in and gets ready to work with you.
1: So when they come to meet with me, it's important prior to them, to, prior to me even seeing their face. I want to know from them what you like, what your favorite colors are. Who in popular culture do you think has a style that you admire? It's very important for me to know these things because... Unknowingly, the person as they're telling me this information, they're automatically aligning themselves in some form or fashion with those people. Well, right? you,
0: you had me do a bunch of research before I came in. I was nervous as hell.
1: Why were you nervous?
0: Well, because I didn't know what I I didn't know what I liked. So it was nervous for me to go and have to do the research to figure mm-hmm. out what I really was looking for out of a suit or what I wanted to present to the world. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when I walked in there, I had a couple different versions. I had, I, I also brought stuff that I didn't like.
1: Exactly. My, my, my father would always say you can learn two things in every situation, what to do and what not to do
0: And the, what not to do is <laughs> almost more important <laughs> than the what to right. do.
1: Right, right. Yeah. absolutely. So, you know, people come in and they have that information that makes the conversation flow that much easier because if you know that the majority of the people that you identify with are conservative, then I'm showing you solids. But if most of the people that you associate with are like, you know, Salvador Dali or, you know, like people who are more flamboyant, then you may want like, you know, a houndstooth or a pinstripe or like, I mean, it just it just depends on the person. And so many people say, well, I don't have any style. Okay, I never believe that because there's whenever people say that they always end up giving me like examples of people with great style that they that they appreciate admire. Or exactly admire, yeah so unknowingly they they already see themselves there they just don't have the vehicle to kind of get them there and I, I serve as that vehicle
0: well and I hadn't been in a situation where I was talking to I've never had someone look at a suit like that and make one for me mm-hmm. but I the way that you dealt with it in that situation I have to imagine is probably different than than a lot of people absolutely and one of the ways that it was for me that i I noticed right away is it you let me direct what I wanted in that suit so, to the point where I was really nervous on that as well, too, mm-hmm. because I was like, I have no idea what I want. But mm-hmm. really, I did. Right. Yeah,
1: exactly. I always say to people, I, I, I give a lot of analogies. You should look at me as your assistant director. You're the director. When you look at a picture of any movie that comes out anywhere on this earth, they never list the assistant director. They only list the director. Right. So I always tell clients, I'm your ad. I'm yeah. gonna make sure it gets to post on time. We're yeah. gonna get through this script, but your name is going on the post. Well, and
0: you don't want to see the suit before you see the person. Exactly. We've spoken a little bit about like the different aspects of your business, but ready to wear. Mm-hmm. What is that, and wh- how does that differ? You you're make you make two different things here.
1: Mm-hmm. So ready to wear is you know the just the term itself is ready to wear. Like you walk into a store, you see it off you the love rack. It, it's off the rack. It, it, it's gone. For the ready to wear, I'm always thinking about like the extension of myself. And since the, the name of my brand is War Air Boswell, it's very important that like the things that I make are things that can assimilate well into my ethos. Right. So I'm a staunch advocate of relaxing just for health reasons. I like have to make sure that like I'm not like high strung. I'm not worried. So that blends into my ethos and I lounge wear yeah. silk pajamas you know, robe. But the reason why I make that is because it's important because it fits my ethos. Yeah. So that's what, where am I ready to wear is center that? So like I'm doing a project now with two gentlemen who are writers at Paramount and it's going to be called Boswell. And with Boswell is, is Monday through Thursday, the guy who buys my suit is the executive. He's the mid tier or he's the, he's the owner Friday, Saturday and Sunday. What is he wearing? I'm going to bring that outfit to that crowd.
0: Well, you're always really impeccably dressed, even when you're casual.
1: You're very nice. Thank Ooh, you very well, much.
0: Well, it's you're true. Very, you notice, I always say for, for work for me as well, I always notice, don't always notice when somebody is dressed well, but you do notice when somebody's dressed poorly. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yes. So it's a big deal when you see somebody and they're always looking good and their mm-hmm. clothes fit well mm-hmm. and... It's it's a thing that people don't realize, and just for me personally, I want to go out and feel like the confidence of walking. Absolutely, yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, hold on a second. I know it's an interview about me, but can you speak briefly about when you finally got that suit? You know how you felt when you put it on, when you wore it around your colleague. Oh, I
0: was nervous as hell.
1: Why though? Because I think it's. I, I
0: first of all, if I, I've said this probably like five times here, I'm nervous a lot. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> like, like, the uh, because. I wanted it to fit well. Yes. Right. So the expectation is, is that I paid for something. I want it to fit well. And obviously everything you said, you were like, if it does not fit well, come back to me and it'll fit. Absolutely. But you try this on and I think <laughs> it's one of those things. I've never had something tailored to me to this degree. Mm-hmm. So when I put it on, I didn't know if that's even how it was supposed to fit. All right. Do, do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So the pants fit in a different way than pants that I had worn before but they look great. And Mm -hmm. I remember going, I took it to Miami Basel with me Mm -hmm. and I took it to, Oh, the first time I wore it there was in Vancouver. I went to Vancouver. I picked it up like two days before I had to fly out and I had to give this, I was just talking to you. I had to give this huge presentation in front of a a big group of people. Mm -hmm. And it was about a subject that I didn't know much about, but I had to be the expert for North America on this other thing for a different country. Right. And I wore that suit to that presentation in front of probably Mm -hmm. 350 people. And they were like, the heads of the industry for us. And it made me feel 110% better to be up there presenting. Yeah. I had the confidence to be awesome. I look like I belong there.
1: Absolutely. I need We're, pictures of that by the way. Do you have any pictures of that? Of that presentation? I mean just, just you on stage, kinda like Steve no, no, Jobs no. in it.
0: No, it wasn't quite like that. I think we had to rig a, a, a table together and uh, it wasn't it wasn't that classy looking. <laughs> I look good. The, the situation <laughs> everything, else didn't. <laughs> everything else, I would be like the beacon in that photo. <laughs> absolutely but still good absolutely. with a folding chair behind me
1: or something. That is so funny. <laughs> now let me ask you this before before we go on, this is my last question yeah, to yeah. you. When you put it you're on free to and, ask questions, by the way. Oh yeah. Okay. This is a back and forth. So, so <laughs> when you, when, when you finally put it on and you're like, these fit me different than any other Panther that, that I right. ever had on, what or who was the situation or the determining factor for you to say, Oh wow. Yeah. These not only do these fit me different, but they actually look good.
0: I can ask the opinion. I I've learned this through working on artwork in the studio and mm-hmm. really, actually this is, this is where I learned it is I used to invite so many people into the studio and look at the work and, Mm -mm. get the opinions and everything else. And what I finally figured out is those opinions are valid. That's fine. But everybody's going to project their own issues on top of what you've got going on. Right. Absolutely. So if you are not confident and you don't like it, or you see something that you think is off on it, you're the first judge on whether or not it works. Mm -hmm. So when I was looking in that mirror, it was me figuring out if I was comfortable in it and it fit in a way that, that I was okay with. Got it. One of the things that you spoke about or we, we spoke about when we were in the, the fitting together, you're like, this is the start of our relationship. Mm-hmm. This will go on for years. And right. when I was looking at the suit in the mirror, too, I was thinking that as well. Right. Like, this is going to last me for an extended period of time. So how do I feel in this knowing that this suit is going to be a staple of what I have in the closet? Right. And also, I don't have a lot of money. So, like, what I get has to be.
1: Yeah, you can't take any L's. No. Right. No, not at exactly. all. Exactly.
0: W- which is which is interesting <laughs> because a lot of people, I think they don't take the chance to go do something like that and spend the money on something for a suit like that because they think that they can't afford it, but they'll go pay $500 for a suit that's ill-fitting mm-hmm. off the rack and it makes zero sense to me. Exactly. Right? Because exactly. It, And it doesn't last. You're good for like three years, maybe. And, that. And looking bad, right? Exactly.
1: So it's, it's always important to me that I like people who want to come, that there are two different... You know, platforms. You have War Air Boswell, which is made 100% here in the US. Those suits start from 3,000 up. And then you have Me by War Air Boswell, and those suits start from 15 up. Right. So, like, there's no excuse because if you talk. So,
0: where are the other ones made? So, the the ones I did the lower level one.
1: Yeah. So, so the lower level one, those are made in the UK. Yeah. They're equally as good. Only thing is, it it, it takes longer to get them. For someone who wants to get, we touched on this earlier before we put the mics on. If somebody wants a suit from Warrior Boswell, once I get the fabric, you know, I can turn something around in 72 hours. Right.
0: If I need a suit,
1: if, if, I mean you'll if, get if, me a suit. Yeah, if, if, if you need it, I mean, like, it's going to cost for that I'm 72 gonna pay. hours. Yeah, you're you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay a king's <laughs> ransom, but you're going to get it. But for the Me by Warrior Boswell, those take seven weeks for the muslin to be done. So and I have a question about
0: weeks. how you choose your people for outsourcing because I heard you give a, a talk on this and having mm-hmm. to find people to, like, actually do these things. Mm-hmm. And one of the comments you made, was you needed to find people who were better than you. Absolutely. And and I think this is
1: Absolutely. Huge.
0: So talk yeah. a bit about that.
1: Being able to delegate was one of the like that was like the final frontier for Was that me. tough? Yeah. I mean yeah, it was like it was like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so when so 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 when Bruce Leroy got the glow yeah, yeah. He had had it within him or, yeah. you know, it's something something more current. The Matrix. You remember when, when, when <laughs> I like when...
0: the other analogy. So
1: so 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 we we'll use Bruce <laughs> Leroy. So once Bruce Leroy got the glow, it was because he realized that he had what what his sensei was teaching him inside the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is I realized these are the things that I am deficient in. So I need to go and find people who are better than me. It's so basic. It's so elementary. When you get people who are better than you and they make stuff for you that looks good, you all collectively look good. Right. It's not like the shine goes to one person. It goes to the team because, and when I say collectively, my name may be on the actual piece, but the person who made that piece for me, I have to pay them. Yeah. So they're shining too because they get money to further their life. Right. I grow as a business. So everybody is involved and everybody is like, yes. We're this all a participant. We're you, all a participant.
0: How long did it take you to find the people who are...
1: Oh, it's ongoing.
0: Always, right? It's,
1: it's, it's always ongoing because you, you, you never want to have... I learned this from McDonald's. They don't have one person. They have three to four options. So,
0: so talk a bit about you fitting the McDonald's team, mm-hmm. the management team, right? Or how, mm-hmm. how did this explain that a little so, bit?
1: So, so the whole thing came about, there's a company that works with McDonald's. And they're called Way to Be. Great company. What are they? What do they do? They do uniforms. Okay. So way to be said, would you be interested in doing something for, for McDonald's?
0: And how did they find you?
1: They found me through my best friends. You, know, you, you, you got to walk with me now. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be a little difficult. My best friend's wife's son. Oh, really? Yes. So my best friend's wife's son. How old is he? He's like 13 now. But his father, <laughs> his father has a brother and that brother is a CEO at way to be. That's why I said you got to walk yeah, with me. Yeah, but the it's connection of,
0: is, yeah, but it's there.
1: It's, it's just, it's, so
0: how did, how did they connect you with, how did he know about you? How did, I my, mean, through the friends, but did he see some of your, your, well, I
1: mean, well, he, he naturally did his research, but, but, but the young man was like, you all need to check Boswell out. The grown man is talking to his ex sister. Yeah. In mall, yeah. Yeah. And he's saying, oh, you know, I'm working <laughs> on this new thing. It, it's, it's crazy. I'm working on this new thing and I need, I, I'm looking for a designer and this little boy overhears the conversation and says, oh, you all need to check Boswell out. And that's how it happened. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, this stuff, it comes the way it comes.
0: Yeah. It just, you can't force that stuff. It's the same with art. Mm -hmm. The situation you put yourself in, you can, you know what you can do you can make sure that you give yourself every opportunity to succeed mm-hmm. and put yourself in a position to be successful, mm-hmm. but you can't force opportunity like that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Hollywood. It's funny. Everybody talks about this, but Hollywood is a perfect example of that. in like many, many forms mm-hmm. that brings me in a different tangent. I don't I'll lose McDonald's. So talk mm-hmm. a bit more about how the McDonald's thing went so about and what it is.
1: I was commissioned to redesign the uniforms for the the crew and the manager. All crew? Yes, all crew and managers. As, a, as an owner of McDonald's, you get the choice to choose between two different platforms, my platform and the, and, and their other platform.
0: Does yours cost more?
1: No. They're both comparable in price. They look good. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. See, the thing is, when that thing was released, and when I say thing, I'm talking about the McDonald's press. How long ago was it? It's been three quarters, so nine months. Okay. A lot of people were talking about the colors and how they were dark and, you know. The grays. Blah, blah, and, blah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what I had to tell people was when I first started off with the project when I went to go and pitch it to the executives I had all these lofty color goals but what people don't understand is that you're not working at Disneyland where you're not working with food you're like, going to get it messy you're working with special sauce <laughs> You know what I mean you're working yeah, with yeah. ketchup you're working with you're working with tartar sauce you're working with soda you're working with grease you're working with all to, all of these different substances that pop And can fall on you. So if you have a yellow shirt on and you drop some ketchup on it, you're going to see that like that.
0: And you can't wear it again. Like it's stained. It's like you got to wear it long term.
1: Exactly. So what a lot of people don't realize is that when you do uniform for McDonald's, if you own a McDonald's, it's a line item. You have to pay for it. So if I'm paying for anything, I want to know ROI. What is my return on investment?
0: So how long does an outfit like that last typically? Do you know?
1: It, It lasts as long as the person takes care of it. So when people understand the lens in which it was you designed
0: based upon the business that you're, yeah.
1: There you go. When when they understand those those valuable points, then it's like, oh, we understand now. Is this
0: something you do again? Did you enjoy it? the process?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed. it. I mean, it was a lo- it was a very long process. How how long does that take? Take like a year. It was like no no. It was like two years to cultivate it and bring it to fruition. Yeah. You know, you're dealing with a, one of the biggest corporations in the world.
0: Nothing's gonna move fast.
1: So it doesn't move fast like the Queen Mary. It's not like a little you know like a little rowboat
0: you were a part of hollywood mm-hmm. for a while your yeah. job before you were doing this was working for talent uh, agencies yeah
1: i worked at yeah i worked at william morris and united talent
0: so what were you doing there
1: so i was in the training programs and what is that so a training program is pretty much where talent agencies get you at the cheapest labor possible. So you basically
0: like an intern.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But you're learning the business. You know,
0: you should be thankful for that.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, I am thankful for it. And if I had a chance to do it over, I would probably do it the same way because you just got, I, like, I got a chance to meet so many different types of people.
0: Like what? What do you mean?
1: When when you work at an agency, whether it's virtue or vice, you can find it. So if your goal is to be the best human in the world. And to save the planet, you can find all the agents of change at an agency.
0: So, okay, so explain how those agencies work then. Why are you finding all those different spectrum of individuals? I mean, they I represent mean, them, but also.
1: In your question, there lies the answer. You have so many different types of individuals, and those different individuals come with their own spectrum of life, of things that they believe in. So, all of those things are manifested in the things that they do.
0: But I've got to assume that as a, you don't have the choice to select the individuals you want to participate with all the time.
1: I mean, if, if, if you become an agent, yeah, you can.
0: But like at your level, when you were in there as a trainee, either you're just dealing with whatever you're dealing with.
1: I'm dealing with whatever whatever I'm dealing with, but. When you are in any class at an agency, the people that you are in the mailroom with, some become agents, some leave and become managers, writers, like a family tree or like one of those, you know, you've seen those FBI shows where they show like an Italian family. Yeah. And then the
0: the crime syndicate goes down.
1: it's, it's, It's just like that. You meet all of these different people who go off and do their own things. But I was touching on something about virtue or vice. If you want to be like, you know, the best person in the world, you can find that there. But if you're, if you want to go the other way and you want to, you know, do drugs and mess around with hookers, you can get that there too. Like you can, you can literally touch any part of the world from an agency because they deal with so many different people.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. I've
1: never considered,
0: I've never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. I've heard this before and you've talked a little bit about why you decided to leave Mm -hmm. and start this is because you were. It it started working, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But what was that that sort of catalyst moment that really made you realize you had to get out of this and go into?
1: I was in the mill room for I believe nine months, and that nine months I saw a lot of people around me getting on desk, getting fired from desk. Some people left, got on. Getting a desk. on desk is what? Getting on a desk is when a agent says, "Okay, my my current assistant." Has fulfilled all of their obligations. Now it's time for them to move to the next level, or it's time for so they me bring else as out. the agent to release my now assistant to the workforce. Fire them. When that happens, they usually hire from within.
0: So, is there a time frame for that normally, No. Or not? Mm-hmm. It's just whatever they feel, and they whatever don't have to do it.
1: They don't have to do it at all. Yeah. So, the people in the mailroom—they're all banking on if I make it through this, the fortunes are untold because they are like like we, the money. Yeah, because if you yeah exactly, but you got to make it through the, you know, the survivor course.
0: So how long does that like, I know it's different for everybody, but what would that typically last?
1: I mean, I would say anywhere from a year and a half to two years. So that's not too long. No, that's not too long, but like that, like many will come but yeah. few are chosen, you know, in, in answer to your question, I had a conversation with one of the gentlemen who, who hired me and he was like, Boz, you know, you need to look like us. And if you're not going to look like us, you need to look like us. And what he, <laughs> And it was just such an amazing conversation because like, I knew I wasn't Jewish. I knew I wasn't white. Yeah. And I understood, you know, he was saying, you need to look like us, meaning there is a Lou Wasserman, Michael Ovitz type of look that agents have. Yeah. They all have the, you know, the Navy suit, the, the gray suit, the black suit. They all have that. And I come from a family that I was rich in love, not necessarily finance. Yeah. So when I'm coming in, I'm coming in, you know, with a shirt that's not long enough and I'm having to roll the sleeves up. I'm in there with a pinstripe jacket on with a houndstooth pant because I can't afford a suit. And I'm also, I'm actually 6'5 at this point, so I can't, like, there was no Zara at that time. There was no Topshop. There was no place for me to go and get something that fit me. And the other people who are in the training program, just so you know, they come from Ivy League schools, they come from schools that aren't Ivy League, but just as good, so they're coming from USC, UCLA, Cal Berkeley, Wharton Business School, NYU, Penn, Dartmouth. Yeah. They're coming from all of these, and I, I went to the state school. Yeah. So it's just, it, it was it was an incredible learning experience.
0: So how did you get in
1: there to begin with? So a friend of mine was dating the sister of John Singleton.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: Yeah, and his agent at that time was a woman by the name of Claire Rue, and she, worked, she was John's agent at, at United Talent. And I was like, you know, super young, and I was like, well, I don't know what that is, but I wanna learn more about it. So I went to her office, and she was gracious with her time. She
0: took an interview with you. She
1: took. She, well, she, you know, she was like, "Come by." So when I pulled up, she was like, "You know, what do you want to do?" I said, "Well, one, I want to know what you do." And she said, "Well, I'm, we're, we're an agency. We represent, you know, these people and these are our disciplines in the industry and blah blah blah." And I said, "Okay, well, you know, you represent actors, right?" And she was like, "Yes." I said, "Well, I'm an actor." She's like, "You're not an actor." <laughs> 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 so, but she said, she said, "What you can do." is if you want to learn the business, you can come here and work. And that was one of the best things that she could have told me because I had no idea. Have you ever heard that saying, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have never jumped in this business? Well, right, yeah. If I would have known what was waiting for me, as soon as I asked her, I would have never asked her. You wouldn't have done. But it was one of the greatest things for me because I learned so much and I met so many people. And that's one of the catalysts for my career to this day.
0: Well, I heard you talk a bit about starting and stopping things and when they got difficult. Oh, my God.
1: You know, UTA was not one of the, you, you notice when I, when I did that interview, I, ne- I never mentioned United Talent because the gentleman who I spoke with, he actually just penned a letter on behalf of UTA. Oh, in really? reference to how we need to be a better agency, that was the guy who had this conversation with me about. If you're going to look like us, you need to either look oh, like us. Oh, it was. Or look like, yes.
0: How it, old? Just out of curiosity, how old of a gentleman was he? Like what?
1: I mean, what? Well, I, I think he's in his seventies now. Or so he's in, older. In, in his sixties, he may. Be yeah, but 60s.
0: he's offering sage advice, and you can believe it coming from that dude who's been there a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he had been there for yeah. he had been there a while. I saw the writing on the wall, so it was time to leave. But at UA at, at, at United Talent, yes. But as it applied to designing. That was a, a specific turning point of me starting and stopping. I would start, you know, this project and start and stop it. Like the actor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would start and stop everything once it became difficult. But like me being, I was at Ragfinders. What's Ragfinders? Rag. So Ragfinders is a is a fabric store downtown. It sounds
0: like something I should know about. Yes. sounds amazing.
1: Absolutely. No, 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 no. I wasn't at Ragfinders. I was at uh, Gerald Levine.
0: And is that the same thing?
1: No, Michael Levine, Michael Levine. Same type
0: of thing or what?
1: So Michael Levine is a, is, so Ragfinders is like a jobber. They're like, it's a big warehouse full of fabric. You just go through and you start looking. Exactly, exactly. But Michael Levine's is a smaller fabric store that has like zippers and buttons and fabric as well of all, of all types. So I was there and I was just looking around. I was having a panic attack, but it was a panic attack for only me because nobody else could tell, but like I was just having this right in the middle of the store and literally it was like... If you walk away from this,
0: that's it. And you were making the clothes
1: at this point. I was making clothes, but it wasn't like at this point I'm to my last, you know, couple of hundred dollars from my severance. I don't have any like prospects. It was real.
0: How old were you? I
1: would say I was like mid twenties.
0: You're like a kid still, right? Like yes. I, I think about mid twenties as being yeah. like a kid because yeah. it's, I just didn't, for me, mm-hmm. I didn't have my shit figured out.
1: No, I didn't, I didn't have my shit figured out either. But the thing was I had responsibility. Yeah. Lively, just my
0: livelihood. So were you married at this
1: time or not married? I wasn't, I I was, I was single. I had my own apartment. I had just knew I had the responsibility of me. Yeah. So if this doesn't work out, are you going to go back and live with your parents?
0: Yeah. But this is that, this is that click moment. That's your catalyst. But it was, was it it. it was fine. It finally clicked. Yes. Like, thank God. Right. Yes,
1: exactly. From that point, like there's a spirit that everybody has. It's just a, a matter of, are you in tune with it? When you go to do something, that spirit says you should do that right now. Or there's a the voice that says, you know what, Lash? Maybe you shouldn't do that. No,
0: that's totally true. We I,
1: all have this.
0: And when I ignore that voice, I get in trouble. And I tend to ignore, ignore it more often than yes, I Yes. And, and mo- we get crushed. <laughs> and we <laughs> get crushed.
1: That spirit was talking to me during at that exact And you moment, listened. And I listened.
0: Talk to me a bit about family. Because mm-hmm. we, we, I briefly mentioned your wife here. But mm-hmm. I know family is really important to you. Absolutely. And you have little ones. Mm-hmm. How does, how has that changed the way that you do your business or you look at work or just your mm-hmm. life in general?
1: Mm-hmm. Looking at it in hindsight, I wish I had somebody who was on like a planning committee for me who could have done projections for me, who could have told me like, these are the new ventures and areas you need to go into your business. Well, right. Like when I was at my fifth year yeah. versus me learning that on my, you know, 12 Did you year. have
0: a, did you have somebody who taught you business or not when you went into this?
1: No. I mean, like, like, you know, like, like I said, my, my, my father was an entrepreneur, but like, he didn't go to like, you know,
0: he doesn't have the background to tell you specifically what you should be doing doing in this industry.
1: No, 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 no. So it was, it was just a matter of me learning it and also me affiliating myself with people who had that knowledge. Unfortunate, like I met a couple of people who weren't as good or, you know, promised things that they couldn't deliver. But then I also had people once I trained my mind on what to listen to and what to, what things to look out for. I actually just started to attract those people. Well,
0: this is funny. We br- we brought this up earlier when I was talking a bit about the studio and inviting mm-hmm. people over. Mm-hmm. You start to, and it's only, I think it really, it's only from experience and doing this for a little while. Like you doing what you're doing a little while to understand what that advice is or what that those messages are mm-hmm. that need to be ignored sometimes. Yeah. And the ones that ring true.
1: Absolutely.
0: Right. Yes. But it's, it's easier now to see that. But at the time. I wasn't trying to hear it. No, no, of course.
1: But, that, but, but see, that, that's the thing about that. That's so beautiful about somebody who comes from a, from a business background and then they have children. Because they can then impart knowledge to them like, don't do that. Oh, yeah. When you get that first <laughs> $75,000 check, you need to put 30% of that away and save. you need to take the other and pay your tax and then this is your net. Yeah. And go do something positive with this. What I was doing was I got those first checks and I was like- money. I was like man I'm going to go to Paris, I'm going to go to Japan, yeah. I'm going to go to Stockholm. Like I was I was just traveling because I had heard about these places and I was single so I was able to just yeah. I was so mobile. Right. So I was able to get up and go. But to your point about family, is that like I wasn't prepping myself for a family when I was single. I was just living like in the moment. Yeah. So what happens is for me, I can't speak for anybody else. When I got married, she got pregnant. Saw my money just poof right in front of me well, in my that, account. Yeah,
0: no, I know that.
1: Because, yeah, I mean, like, it literally <laughs> poofed in front of me. Well, it's now one of you, but one is going to turn to three. Yeah. And then three is going to turn to four. Yeah. There's, a, there, there's a quote from T.D. Jakes where he talks about stress comes from you not preparing your business to withstand what's coming forth. Yeah. So if you don't plan properly, you haven't built the foundation. So when all these extra things start to tack on top, it causes you to stress. So how does, how does that change for you now? Then what do you, brother, I'm gonna tell you something. Having a family made me understand how, how versatile I was. It made me accountable. Yeah. That's what a family does for me. How old are your kids? One's three and one's five. Yeah. And one, he's going to be the one who's five is going to be six on the 22nd of this month. Oh, That's amazing. It's like, they have to eat every single yeah. day.
0: You got to pay that health insurance.
1: You got to pay, that, you gotta pay that, that, that school note. Yeah. You got to pay for that house. Oh, we're, my gosh. We're fortunate to live in Los Angeles and actually own a house in Los Angeles. Yeah. People are coming buying houses cash.
0: Well, Hey, I don't own this place. I rent, right? Mm-hmm. And my friend just sold his house up the street for cash. Some and I don't like, know
1: like, how. I'm like, where are all these people coming from? Where did you
0: get that money? <laughs>
1: like, and how listen, do you,
0: I'd be priced out of this neighborhood if they redid my rent here.
1: Listen, listen. We live in a a historical neighborhood called the Historic Adams District, which is like really like it was named by Curb to one of the one of the most uh, up and coming neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. So the median cost for a house in that neighborhood is about six hundred and eighty five thousand. Right. So people are coming with two hundred thousand dollars over asking, paying cash to get it. So this is what happens. So if you want to go FHA, they're laughing you out.
0: You're never going to get it. Cause
1: it's like, this dude is coming with cash and yeah. he's coming with 150 to 200,000 over. That is insane. And we are right down the street from Silicon beach. So you can hop on the freeway. So how we, did you,
0: how did you do it? Did you save up or what did you do?
1: Well, well, one, we saved up and two, we actually rented from the people that we ended up buying from. So they knew you. So they knew us and they, and the thing is they loved the house. Yeah. Like this house was a family member. They loved it. They raised their yeah. children there. Their children went off to college, and they had a love for the, for the house. Is it the
0: house that you were renting or not? You were it, renting- it,
1: it was the house that we were renting, and, and, and yeah. we bought it. Yeah. And, and the guy was just like, you know what? We're ready to sell now. He's a professor at USC. And this is a very interesting story. I'll just give you a clip yep, No, please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he's, he's a professor, and every, uh, every semester I go and, and, and give a talk to the, in, the, the incoming freshman at USC yeah. about business and what I do and blah, blah, blah. So every time I would go, I would always ask him, I say, you know, Tim, are you ready to sell yet? He would always be like,
0: so he knew you were interested.
1: Yeah. He'd be like, no,
0: but this, but you know what? That is the same thing. You're putting yourself in a position to succeed because Mm -hmm. you're letting them know you're, you're there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're present.
1: Now I'm, I agree with that 100%, but at this point in time, I was at a low point financially.
0: You wouldn't have any money to pay for it. Even if you,
1: (laughs) I was at a low point financially and he came and said, you know what? I'm ready to sell now. And I was like, okay, cool. He's like, no, 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 we're ready to sell like today. And I didn't know how long the process was. So he's like, it's going to take like a month or two for us to get all the paperwork done. So we're going to start now. And I'm telling you, when I talk about a higher power and a higher spirit, we were able to use the money we saved and also go to our friends and family to help and cobble that money together and get that house. When you say it takes a village, it took a village. But you
0: know what? This is so, that's such a good point because... You are incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. You have this business that is, mm-hmm. but you had to do what everybody else has to do to put this together to make it exactly. work. Exactly. And so many people look at this and think that it's not possible or that, mm-hmm. but everybody is in the same boat. Not everybody. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are all in the same in boat. In the same
1: boat. And the thing that's so interesting about, like when, when, when you think of Los Angeles, you get 355 days of sunshine. Sometimes yeah. you may get 360. Yeah. It's only 365 days in a year. That's why people will pay a million dollars for 1,300 square feet. And if you, and bro, if, if you look at those, those snowstorms in Maine and Philadelphia and New York last week, was, I want, do I want no parts of that. <laughs> I want zero parts of that, It was bro. like
0: 74. No,
1: <laughs> minus.
0: Have you lived other places or not?
1: I lived in New York for a year. I lived in Tribeca.
0: And you're like, I'm good.
1: And I mean, like, you know, it, it was good, but like, you know, like I love personal space. Yeah. And in New York, unless you have a driver, there is no such thing as personal space no. on the subway, on the streets. No. Anyway, it's just- I had a car there. Oh, bro. You were- I had
0: actually two cars there. My wife and I both had a vehicle there. Are I'm you from- serious? Hell yes. I'm from Iowa, man. There ain't no way that I'm not being able to get out of that city wow. as soon as I want, when I want.
1: How much were you paying a month for those cars? Oh, I parked it
0: on the street. Like Originally, when I went to grad school there back in 2005, I parked up in Harlem when nobody was parking up in Harlem. At, at and that- you take the train down? Yeah. And I was paying like two hundred and thirty bucks a month, which was that's yeah. It's cheap. I mean, it was it wasn't cheap. Like I shouldn't have been doing that. I, sold a, do that. I sold a house in D.C. and I paid for my school, and I paid for the parking and Jeez. living in in okay. Chelsea for two years. I blew all my money. I mean, looking that whole if someone would have coached me mm-hmm. back then, I would like to have a chunk of that change back right Absolutely. now and all the shit that I blew it on, but. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, I I don't have any debt. I don't have any school debt. Oh, I have debt. I don't have school
1: debt. School <laughs> debt, yes, yes. We all have debt, man. Yeah, yeah. We all so, have debt. So <laughs> what <laughs> what uh,
0: what's gonna happen with the company in the future? Like what do you so, you've got this new thing going with the, the partners?
1: Yes. The ready to wear is one aspect, but the custom is so great because retail by and large is very rickety right now. It's, like big box. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just very, it's, it's unstable for me. And, you know, like I have friends who are excelling in the ready to wear market, but they also come from families that own like property and they, like they have things that they can leverage upon. Okay. I, I, I said this to you earlier. I can't take any L's. Yeah. I don't think anybody could take an L, yeah. but I specifically cannot take L's to the magnitude of 200,000, 500,000, 700,000. it put you out of business. It'll put you out of business like that. And if that puts me out of business, that affects so many other things like my family life, our home, all of that. So I'm focused from another plan of I'm a vendor for the United States government. You are. So I'm going after like contracts. Yeah. Like I said, I I landed the McDonald's contract. So like I'm looking to do things more so in that space. Yeah. And then also with Boswell, that's a ready to wear platform that will be pre-sold. If people don't buy it, I won't make it. And it's just as simple as that. So I'll, so I'll deal directly with my customers. Do you duty. sell online only or not? For my ready to wear, I sell it at American Rag and I sold a couple of other places. But the majority of my business right now has been business to business. And that's been the most reliable for me because when somebody places an order, they pay for it.
0: Yeah. You don't have to build a, a structure and leverage yourself.
1: No. Because, because
0: a lot of that stuff is leveraging a lot of money in the anticipation that it will, that it will come back. turn profit. Right? Exactly.
1: And like some people get caught with, you know, whenever you go to like a sample sale, like you go and see like, you know, 300 pieces of this turquoise pair of pants because they made it because they tried to follow a minimum and didn't sell any of it.
0: So how do you, when you're looking at finances and, and that type of thing, do you have a certain amount of money set aside for like when you know you have to get fabric or something? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you keep that as a base for every month?
1: Absolutely. I, well, I, I keep it as a base for every order, and for how- for custom, for ready to wear. Since it's pay to play, I would make the pieces, I would shoot the pieces, tell a beautiful narrative. So the money is not being spent on so much the manufacturing, it's being spent on marketing. Okay. So I would tell a beautiful story and then I will put these things up and pre-sell them and say, we're going to pre-sell these for the next three weeks. Whatever we sell in the next three weeks, that's it. After we close after three weeks, we see what. And that's two only of.
0: your online clients, the people who have subscribed to like what you're doing yes. on, and you have a set group of people that yes. are reliable customers mm-hmm. that go and yes. do that
1: buy. I do now. This is the most important thing. I've seen people who do way less than I do, and they have like five hundred thousand followers. My like my base is very organic, but the real Beyonce had this thing called the Beehive, uh-huh. and yeah. her Beehive is like real. Like the people who follow me. They're staunch supporters of what I do and they want to know when stuff is coming out and it's very authentic versus having 500,000 people that I don't know.
0: Dude, I'm not going anywhere else ever. I'm I'm like a client for life. No, I feel that way because of the experience I've had and the way everything works, but also the friendship over, even over a short period of time. It's very nice. Like I wouldn't go anywhere else.
1: And a lot of people like that, have that experience, like to have that experience.
0: Thank you for taking the time. To
1: oh, bro, thank you for having. Me. Come on, this is great. Hopefully, this is one of several. Hopefully,
0: I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, you dude. very
1: much, and thank you for all the people who are listening.
0: Yeah, absolutely.